Our second reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 13th chapter, verses 18 to 21. Let us listen once more for God's word. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. And it grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. And again, Jesus asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our sermon today is titled Kingdom Potential. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, scatter something new into our lives today. Need those hard spots until they soften to the point where we can hear something differently. God, send your spirit that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here in your sight this day will be pleasing and glorifying. For you and you alone, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The story has been told of an old church in England that was in bad need of a roof repair. So bad that the pastor called a meeting of the congregation one day following worship to solicit funds for the project. And he explained in depth about the severity of the situation. And as soon as he finished, one of the wealthiest members of the congregation stood and said, I'll give five pounds to the project. And no sooner had he sat down than a piece of the ceiling high above him peeled loose and fell and hit him right in the head. Somewhat shaken by the experience, the man stood once more and said, okay, I'll give 50 pounds to the project. Now, it's been debated for a long time who spoke the next words, but no one has ever forgot what was spoken. For as that man sat down for a second time, someone in the back of the sanctuary cried out, Hit him again, Lord! (laughs) Hit him again! I feel like stewardship season and dedication Sunday in particular can feel to many of us like one of those hit him again kind of days. Some of you might be first time visitors in church day and you're thinking to yourselves, good Lord, of course the day I come. But our parable this morning from Luke's gospel and I pray this sermon is not a hit him again kind of story, at least not in the way we think. This parable, after all, has hit people many different ways down through the ages. For some, it has struck them with this image of the mystery of how something so big, a mighty tree, 60 pounds of bread, can come from something so small. 
a tiny mustard seed, a, a grain of, of yeast. You all might remember a little over a month ago we preached and read sort of the cousin text to this parable a little later in Luke's gospel where Jesus talks about faith being as small as a mustard seed. We talked about the power of smallness. But this parable has struck other people differently. It has struck people in its imagery of the wideness and the height and the the strength of God's mercy. Mercy and love so high and so wide and so strong that it is capable of providing rest for all the birds of creation. But if this parable were an old church, then something else peeled from its ceiling and hit me this week. And what it is that hit me is a word. And the word is potential. I think this parable is about potential. You see, it's a story about how seemingly insignificant acts, scattering seed, kneading dough, seemingly insignificant acts done by seemingly insignificant people in seemingly insignificant places, a man in his garden, a baker at her counter, how these seemingly insignificant acts and people and places hold nonetheless immense potential for producing something great, the very kingdom of God. I've spent most of this last week looking out of my office window. For those of you who don't know, the offices are over here on the the east side of the church, but my window, it faces west, and right outside it are the big windows of our sanctuary. I started the week looking out that window, and the transept was already gone, but there was a wall on Monday. And then by Friday, I found myself looking out that same window at a gaping hole. And I got to tell you, it was a little bit painful at times. I was on a video call on Wednesday, and my computer sits in front of that window facing out on the sanctuary. And at some point, someone stopped and said, Alan, what are you looking at? Because apparently as I looked out over the screen at these men tearing down the wall, these pained expressions kept coming across my face. It's painful in a way, but it's also revealing. It turns out that when you put a hole in something, you also reveal layers of history. If any of you have ever been to any ancient sites around the world, you know that when you put a hole in the ground, per se, you can suddenly see layers of civilization thousands of years back. One civilization built on top of another, on top of another. And it turns out when you take down the wall of a church, likewise you reveal layers of history. Now many of you recall at the end of September we celebrated 73 years as a church. We were founded in 1946 just down King's Way 
at the Casino Theater, what was the Casino Theater near what is now Neptune Park. There were 46 charter members on that first Sunday of St. Simon's Presbyterian's existence. We didn't have an actual building, though, for close to eight years. It wasn't until 1954 that we had graduated from that theater to a community building to our very own sanctuary in space. And it's that 1954 history that I have found myself looking out the window at this past week. Suddenly, I'm able to see the the thin concrete foundation that everything else was built on and the dirt that's been underneath it the whole time. You can see the, the steel frame that forms the skeleton of our sanctuary holding up the roof. You can see the terracotta blocks. I'd always heard that our sanctuary was built out of terracotta brick, but I never saw it until this week. And as I looked out on that history, as I looked out on 1954, really, I began to wonder to myself more than once, I wondered if those charter members in 1946 could possibly have imagined our church today. Could they possibly have imagined all the things that would take place because they built that foundation? All those weddings, all those baptisms, all those hymns and anthems, all those tears and laughter, all those life-changing, life-transforming moments that would happen in and because they built a church. I wondered if those 46 members could possibly have imagined that here today in 2019 there would be 600 plus of us and and still growing people that they didn't even know and never would know. Could they have imagined that, I wonder? Could they have imagined that this church, which for those who don't know, began as a mission outpost We were a church plant of First Presbyterian in Brunswick. We were their mission to this new growing community on St. Simon's that this mission outpost back then would today be a congregation that has at its heart a mission of serving others. Could they have imagined that this afternoon members of this church would gather to to pack food boxes to send home with some of our most vulnerable community members who might otherwise have a rather bare pantry over the Thanksgiving holiday? Could they have imagined that angel tree ministry of members of this church gathering to provide gifts of love for 200 plus children? Could they have imagined a church that has committed itself for years now, month in and month out, year in and year out, to serve our neighbors at Manor House. A church committed to mentoring, to supporting transformative work happening in our local schools, as we heard last week from Dr. Dawson and Goodyear. Could they have imagined our bridge mission program? Could they have imagined any of this? Could they imagine worship with screens in it? I think the answer is no. And I think that's also the point. 
You see, those charter members, whether they knew it or not, what they were doing was scattering the seed. They were kneading the dough. They were taking an action and then letting God do the rest. Isn't it interesting in this parable that it opens with the imagery of, of the gardener scattering the seed, of the baker kneading the dough, but then we never meet them again. We never find out who came back to that garden and tended that plant until it grew into a mighty tree. We never learn who put that dough in the oven and baked it. The, the focus of the parable becomes the result, not the people, but it is the first actions that set it all into motion. Whether they knew it or not, those charter members in 1946, they were the ones in the parable who trusted, who trusted that though unseen there was and there still is potential for the kingdom of God to take root, to multiply, to grow in this place. For that reason that I have never felt like stewardship season or dedication Sunday is one of those hit him again kind of days. I've always felt like this is one of those days that's much more an invitation. An invitation for all of us to, to join in that trusting work. You know, the church for Aaron and me it's our top giving priority every single year. And I want to be careful here. I want to be careful as I don't want it to appear like we're setting ourselves on a pedestal because the reality is there are countless worthy organizations in our community that, for lack of a better word, compete for all of our giving dollars. And the reality, too, is that there are many here and in this congregation who are not able to give at the level that Aaron and I are and yet give far more sacrificially than we do. But I think it's important. I think it's important for a church to know that its leaders believe what they're preaching. We and our family aren't able to tithe yet. but we're also not far off. And the reason we give is because we believe, Aaron and me, we believe that the, the church at its best, this is the place where God's potential is most fully realized. We give year in and year out and make this church our priority giving place because we believe the church is the place where God uses falling words not to hurt people, but to wake them up. We give because we know what it feels like to feel as small as a mustard seed and yet find in the embrace of the church and the note that comes in our mailbox and the flowers that get dropped off at our door and the, the hug that gets offered in the target aisle and the reception that is offered after a sad day, we find in the embrace of the church in those moments when we have felt as small as a mustard seed, we encounter love that is as great as a mighty tree. 
we give because we believe that just as God is going to build something new and something transformative around that gaping hole outside my window, that God is also going to be building here things long, long after we are gone. Things that none of us can possibly imagine sitting here today. But we also give for another reason. We also give for another reason. There's a story of a little boy who went to worship with his family one Easter Sunday morning. His family wasn't a particularly church-going family, and so they picked a church they had driven past a bunch, and they went for it. And it was during the offertory on this Easter Sunday when they learned that the practice of this particular church was to to roll out this big wooden ark with a little slot at the top. And they'd invite the children in worship to come forward and to, to place offerings in the ark. A little boy looked somewhat spellbound, but cautiously and curiously at this, this ark as the other little boys and girls went forward during the offering and placed their coins and their, their bills in the slot. At some point, a woman sitting behind them in the pew behind them reached forward and gave the little boy a dollar bill to take forward. And so holding his mother's hand, they walked down the aisle and they stood there at first as the other children finished putting their offerings in. And then he and his mother were the only ones left and they they stepped up to the ark and the little boy holding his dollar bill put it halfway through the slot and then pulled it out. After a moment, he went back and he put it halfway in again, and they pulled it back out. Went on like this a few times. The mother must have felt like it went on for an eternity. (laughs) But eventually, the little boy took his dollar bill and he put it halfway in, and he let go. And the whole congregation breathed a collective sigh of relief. The family, they talked about this and laughed about it on the drive home. And at some point, the boy's mom, who was up there with him, said, you know, I knew the whole time he would put it in. He'd put it in eventually. I knew he would put that in because it wasn't his money to begin with. Friends, imagine. Imagine the potential of a world, of a church, full of people who give because it was never theirs to begin with. What is the kingdom of God like, Jesus asks at the beginning of this parable. Friends, I'm willing to bet it looks a lot like that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.